Hi, I'm Masoud Mubahidi, and you are listening to MMY Talks podcast. Going deep into anger, deep into your roots. You cannot recognize yourself in Buddha, but you are there, of course, on a greater and higher plane, transformed. The sex is there, the anger is there, the hate is there, everything which belongs to man is there. Buddha is a man but he has come to his ultimate growth. He has become a lotus flower. You cannot recognize the mud, but that doesn't mean that the mud is not there. It is there, but not as mud. It is a higher unity. That is why in Buddha, you can feel neither hate nor love. That is still more difficult to understand because Buddha appears totally loving, never hating, always silent never angry. But his silence is different from your silence. It cannot be the same. What is your silence? Somewhere Einstein has said that our peace is nothing but a preparation for war. Between two wars, we have a gap of peace. But that peace is not really peace. It is only the gap between two wars. So it becomes a cold war. Thus, We have two types of war, hot and cold. After the Second World War, Russia and America began a cold war. They are not at peace, just in preparation for another war. They are getting ready. Each war disturbs, destroys. You can see the Ukraine as an example. You have to get ready again. So you need a gap, an interval. But if war really disappears, from the world completely, then this type of peace which means cold war will also disappear because it always happens between two wars. If war disappears completely, this cold war which we call peace cannot continue. What is your silence? Just a preparation between two angers. When you seem at ease, what is it? Are you really relaxed, really at ease? Or are you just preparing for another outburst, for another explosion? Anger is a wastage of energy, so you also need time. When you get angry, you cannot get angry again immediately. When you move into the sex act, you cannot move again immediately. You will need time. So you will need a period of brahmacharya, syllabacy, for at least two or three days. It will depend on your age. This syllabacy is not really syllabacy. You are only preparing again. Between two sex acts, there can be no brahmacharya. You go on calling the period between two meals a fast. That is why in the morning you have breakfast. But where is the fast? You are just preparing. You cannot go on thrusting food into yourself continuously. You have to have a gap But that gap is not a fast. It is only a preparation for another meal, not a fast. So when we are silent, it is always between two angers. When we are at ease, it is always between two peaks of tension. When we are syllabate, it is only between two sex acts. When we are loving, it is always between two hatreds. Remember this. So when Buddha is silent, Do not think this is your silence. 
when your anger has disappeared, your silence has disappeared also. They both exist together. They cannot be separated. So when Buddha is a brahmachari, a syllabate, you don't think this is your syllabacy. When sex has disappeared, brahmacharya has also disappeared. They both were part of one thing, so they both have disappeared. With a Buddha, a very different being is there, such as you cannot conceive. You can only conceive of the, the chamani, you know. You cannot conceive of what type of man this is, of what has happened to him. The whole energy has come to a different level, a different plane of existence. The mud has become a lotus, but it is still there. The mud has not been discarded from the lotus. It has been transformed. So all of the energies within you are accepted by Tantra. Tantra is not for discarding anything whatsoever, but for transformation. And Tantra says that the first step is to accept. The first step is very difficult to accept. You may be getting angry many times every day, but to accept your anger is very difficult. To be angry is very easy. To accept your anger is very difficult. Why? You do not feel so much difficulty in being angry. So why do you feel so much difficulty in accepting it? Getting angry seems not so bad as accepting it. Everyone thinks he is a good man, and anger is just momentary. It comes and goes. It doesn't destroy your self-image. You go on remaining good. You say that it just happened. It is not destructive to your ego. So those who are cunning will repent immediately. They will get angry and they will repent. They will ask forgiveness. These are the cunning ones. Why cunning? Because their anger gives a trembling to their self-image. They begin to feel uneasy. They begin to feel, I get angry. I am so bad that I get angry. So the image of a good man trembles. He has to try and make it established again. Immediately he says, this was bad. I will never do it again. Forgive me. By asking for forgiveness, his self-image is established again. He is okay. Back to his previous state when there was no anger. He has canceled his anger by asking for forgiveness. He has called himself bad just to remain good. That is why you can go on for lives together being angry, being sexual, being possessive, being this and that, but never accepting. This is a trick of the mind. Whatsoever you do is just on the periphery. In the center, you remain good. If you accept that I have anger, in the center, you become bad. Then it is not just a question of getting angry. Then it is not momentary. Rather, the anger is part of your constitution. Then it is not that someone irritates you into anger. Even if you are alone, the anger is there. When you are not getting angry, the anger is still there because anger is your energy, part of you. It is not that sometimes it flares up and then goes off. No, it cannot flare up if it is not always present. 
you can turn off this light, you can turn on this light, but the current must remain continuously there. If the current is not there, you cannot turn in and off. The current, the anger current is always there. The sex current is always there. The greed current is always there. You can turn it on, you can turn it off. In situations you change, but inwardly you remain the same. Accepting means anger is not an act. Rather, you are anger. Sex is not just an act. You are sex. Greed is not just an act. You are greed. Accepting this means throwing away the self-image. And we all have built beautiful self-images. Everyone has built a beautiful self-image. Absolutely beautiful. And whatsoever you are doing never touches it. You go on protecting it. The image is protected so you feel good. That is why you can become angry. You can become sexual. And you are not disturbed. But if you accept and say, I am sex, I am anger, I am greed, then your self-image falls down immediately. Tantra says, this is the first step and the most difficult to accept whatsoever you are. Sometimes we try to accept, but whenever we accept, we again do so in a very calculated way. Our cunningness is deep and subtle, and mind has very subtle ways to deceive. Sometimes you accept and say, yes, I am angry. But if you accept this, you accept only when you think of how to transcend anger. Then you accept and say, okay, I am angry. Now tell me how to go beyond it. You accept sex only to be non-sexual. Whenever you are trying to be something else, you are able to accept. Because your self-image is again maintained by the future. You are violent and you are striving to be non-violent. So you accept and say, okay, I am violent. Today I am violent, but tomorrow I will be non-violent, however. How will you become non-violent? You postpone this self-image into the future. You do not think of yourself in the present. You always think in the terms of the ideal of non-violence, love and compassion. Then you are in the future. This present is just to become a past. Your real self is in the future. So you go on identifying yourself with ideals. Those ideals are also ways of not accepting the reality. You are violent. That is the case. And the present is the only thing that is existential. The future is not. Your ideals are just dreams. They are tricks to postpone the mind, to focus the mind somewhere else. You are violent. This is the case, so accept it. And do not try to be non-violent. A violent mind cannot be non-violent. How is this possible? Look deep into it. You are violent, so how can you be non-violent? Whatsoever you do will be done by the violent mind. Whatsoever. Even while striving to be non-violent, the effort will be done by the violent mind. You are violent. So by trying to be non-violent, you will be violent. In the very effort to be non-violent, you will try every type of violence. That is why you go 
to these strivers for non-violence. They may not be violent with others, but they are with themselves. They are very violent with themselves, murdering themselves. And the more they get mad against themselves, the more they are celebrated. When they become completely mad, suicidal, then the society says these are the sages. But they have only transformed the object of violence, nothing else. They were violent with someone else, now they are violent with themselves. But the violence is there. And when you are violent with someone else, the law can protect, the court can help, the society will condemn you. But when you are violent against yourself, there is no law. No law can protect you against yourself. When man is against himself, there is no protection. Nothing can be done. And no one cares because it is your business. No one else is involved in it. It is your business. So-called monks, so-called saints, they are violent against themselves. No one is interested. They say, okay, go on doing it. It is your business. If your mind is one of greed, how can you be non-greedy? The greedy mind will remain greedy. Whatsoever is done by it to go beyond greed is not going to help. Of course, we can create new greeds. Ask a greedy mind, what are you doing just accumulating wealth? You will die and you cannot take your wealth with you. This is the logic of the so-called religious preachers, that you cannot take your wealth with you. But if someone could take it, then the whole logic would fail. The greedy man feels the logic, of course. He asks, how can I take wealth with me? But he really wants to take it. That is why the priest becomes influential. He shows him that it is nonsense to accumulate things which cannot be taken beyond death. He says, I will teach you how to accumulate things which can be taken. Virtue can be taken. Punya, good deeds can be taken. Goodness can be taken, but not wealth. So donate the wealth. But this is an appeal to his greed. This is telling him, now we will give you better things which can be carried beyond death. The appeal obtains result. The greedy man feels, yes, you are right. Death is there and nothing can be done about it. So I must do something which can be carried beyond. I must create some kind of bank balance in the other world also. The world, this bank balance cannot be with me forever. He goes on talking in these terms. Go through the scriptures. They appeal to your greed. They say, what are you doing wasting your time in momentary pleasures? The emphasis is on momentary. So find some eternal pleasures. Then it is okay. They are not against pleasures. They are just against their being momentary. Look at the greed. Sometimes it happens that you may find a non-greedy man who is enjoying momentary pleasures. But you cannot find among your saints a man who is not asking, demanding for eternal pleasures. The greed in them is even more. You can find a non-greedy man among ordinary men, but you cannot find a non-greedy man 
among your so-called saints. They also want pleasures, but they are more greedy than you. You are satisfied with momentary pleasures, and they are not. They are greed. Their greed can only be satisfied with eternal pleasures. Infinite greed asks for infinite pleasures. Remember this. A finite greed is satisfied with finite pleasure. They will ask you, what are you doing loving a woman? She is not but bones, a blood. Look deep into the woman you love. What is she? They are not against the woman. They are against the bones, against the blood, against the body. But if a woman is of gold, then it is okay. They are asking for woman of gold. They are not in this world. So they create another world. They say in heaven there are golden themselves, apsaras, who are beautiful and who never age. In the Hindu heaven, asparas, the heavenly girls, remain always at 16. They never grow older. They are always 16, never less, never more. So what are you doing waiting or wasting your time on these ordinary women? Think of heaven. They are not against pleasure. They are against momentary pleasure. If through some whim God gives this world eternal pleasure, your whole edifice of religion will fall down immediately. The whole appeal will be lost. If somehow bank balances can be carried beyond death, no one will be interested in creating bank balances in the other world. So death is a great help to the priests. A greedy man is always attracted by another greed. If you tell him and convince him that his greed is the cause of his misery and that if he leaves greed he will attain a blissful state, he may try because now you are not really against his greed. You are giving his greed new pastures. He can move into new dimensions of greed. So Tantra says that a greedy mind cannot become non-greedy. A violent mind cannot become non-violent. But this seems very hopeless. If this is the case, then nothing can be done. Then what does Tantra stand for? If a greedy mind cannot become non-greedy and a violent mind non-violent and a sex-obsessed mind transformed beyond sex, if nothing can be done, then what does Tantra stand for? Tantra is not saying that nothing can be done. Something can be done. But the dimension is completely different. A greedy mind has to understand that it is greedy and accept it, not try to be non-greedy. The greedy mind has to go deep within itself to realize the depth of his greed, not moving away from it, but remaining with it not moving in ideals, in contradictory ideals, in opposite ideals, but remaining in the present, moving into the greed, knowing the greed, understanding the greed, and not trying to escape from it in any way. If you can remain with your greed, many things will happen. If you can remain with your greed, with your sex, with your anger, your ego will dissolve. This will be the first thing, and what a great miracle it is. You cannot be egoless unless 
you look at the foundation of your ego to find it. You are greedy and you think you are non-greedy. This is the ego. If you are greedy and you know and accept totally that you are greedy, then where can you allow your ego to stand? If you are angry and you say that you are angry, you do not say it to others, but you feel it deep down. You feel the helplessness. Then where can your anger stand? If you are sexual, accept it. Whatsoever is there, accept it. The non-acceptance of nature creates the ego. The non-acceptance of your suchness, your ta-ta-ta, that which you are. If you accept it, the ego will not be there. If you do not accept it, if you reject it, if you create ideals against it, there will be ego. Ideals are the stuff the ego is made of. Accept yourself. But then you will look like an animal. You will not look like a man because your concept of man is in your ideals. That is why we go on teaching others not to be like animals. And everyone is an animal. What can you do? You are an animal. Accept your animality. And the moment you accept your animality, you have done the first thing to go beyond animals. Because no animal knows that it is an animal. Only man can know. That is going beyond. You cannot go beyond by denying. Accept. When everything is accepted, suddenly you feel that you have transcended. Who is accepting? Who accepts the whole? That which accepts has gone beyond. If you reject, you remain on the same plane. If you accept, you go beyond. Acceptance is transcendence. And if you accept yourself totally, suddenly you are thrown to your center. Then you cannot move anywhere. You cannot move from your suchness, from your nature. You are thrown to your center. All these tantric techniques which we are discussing and trying to understand are different ways of throwing you to your center, of throwing you from the periphery. And you are trying to escape from the center in many ways. Ideals are good scapes. Idealists are the most subtle of egoists. Many things happen. You are violent and you create an ideal of non-violence. Then you need not go into yourself, into your violence. There is no need. Then this is the only need to go on thinking about non-violence reading about non-violence and trying to practice non-violence. You say to yourself, do not touch violence and you are violent. So you can escape from yourself. You can go to the periphery, but then you will never come to the center. That is one thing. Secondly, when you create the ideal of non-violence, you can condemn others. Now it becomes very easy. You have the ideal to judge everyone with, and you can say to anyone, you are violent. India has created many ideals. That is why India continuously goes on condemning the whole world. The whole world or the whole mind of India is condemnatory. It goes on condemning the whole world. Everyone else is violent 
Only India is non-violent. No one seems to be non-violent here. But the ideal is good for condemning others. It never changes you, but you can condemn others because you have the ideal. And whenever you are violent, you can rationalize it. Your violence is an altogether different thing. Tantra says to remain with yourself. Whatsoever you are, accept it. Do not condemn yourself. Do not condemn others. Condemnation is futile. Energies are not changed by it. The first step is to accept. Remain with the fact. This is very scientific. Remain with the fact of anger, greed, and sex. And know the fact in its total fasticity. Do not just touch it from above, from the surface. Know the fact in its totality, in its total fasticity. Move into it to the roots. And remember, whenever you can move to the roots of anything, you transcend it. If you can know your sex to the very roots, you become the master of it. If you can know your anger to the very roots, you become the master of it. Then anger becomes just instrumental. You can use it. If you are angry, go on. Do not suppress it. Let it come out in its totality. Move into it. Become anger. Do not withhold. Do not stand aside. Take a deep jump into it. Let your whole body become a flare, a fire. You have never moved this deeply and you have never seen anyone do so because everyone is more or less cultured. No one is original. Everyone is more or less imitating. No one is original. If you can move into anger totally, you will become just a fire, a burning. The fire will be so deep, the flames will be so deep that the past and future both will cease immediately. You will become just a present flame. And when your every cell is burning, when every part of your body has become fiery and you have become just anger, not angry, now be aware. Do not suppress. Now suddenly be aware of what you have become, of what anger is. In this moment of total presentness, one can become suddenly aware and you can start laughing at the absurdity of the whole thing, at the foolishness, at the stupidity of the whole thing. But this is not suppression. This is laughter. You can laugh at yourself because you have transcended yourself. Never again will anger be capable of mastering you. You have known anger in its totality, and still you could laugh, and still you could go beyond it. You could see from beyond your anger. Once you have seen its totality, you know what anger is, and now you also know that even if the whole energy transforms into anger, still you can be an observer, a witness. So there is no fear. Remember this. That which is not known always creates fear. That which is dark always creates fear. You are afraid of your own anger. So people go on saying that we suppress anger because it is not good to be angry. It may hurt others. 
But that is not the real cause. The real cause is that they are afraid of their anger. If they really get angry, they do not know what may happen. They are afraid of themselves. They have never known anger. It is a very fearful thing, hidden inside. So they are afraid of it. That is why they fall in line with the society, with the culture, with the education. And they say, we must not be angry. Anger is bad. It hurts others. You are afraid of your anger. You are afraid of your sex. You have never been in sex totally. You have never been in sex so totally that you could have forgotten yourself. You were always there. Your mind was always there. And if the mind is there in the sex act, then the act is just useless. The mind must dissolve. You must become just body. There must not be any thinking. If thinking is there, you are divided. Then the sex act is nothing but releasing overflowing energy. It is a release, nothing else. But you are afraid to be totally in sex. That is why you fall in line. Why you toe the line with the society and say that sex is bad? You are afraid. Why are you afraid? Because if you move into sex totally, you do not know what you can do. You do not know what can happen. You do not know what animal force may come up. You do not know what your unconscious may throw you into. You do not know. Then you will not be the master. You will not be in control. Your self-image may be destroyed. Thus, you control the sex act. And the way to control it, it is to remain in the mind. Let the sex act be there, but local. Try to understand this local and general. Tantra says a sex act is local when only your sex center is involved. It is local. It is a local release. The sex center keeps on accumulating energy. When it is overflowing, you have to release it. Otherwise, it will create tensions. It will create heaviness. You release it. But it is a local release. Your whole body, your whole self is not involved. Non-local. Total involvement means that every fiber of the body, every cell of the body, whatsoever you are, is in it. Your whole being has become sexual. Not only your sex center, your whole being has become sexual. But then you are afraid because then anything is possible and you do not know what can happen because you have never known the totality. You may do certain things of which you cannot conceive. Your conscious will explode. Your unconscious will explode. You will become not one animal, but many animals. Because you have passed through many lives, through many animal bodies. You may start howling. You may start screaming. You may start roaring like a lion. You do not know. Anything is possible that creates fear. You need to be in control so that you never lose yourself in anything. That is why you never know anything. And unless you know, you cannot transcend. Accept. Move deep. Go to the very roots. This is Tantra. 
Tantra stands for deep experiences. Anything experienced can be transcendent. Anything suppressed can never be transcendent. You can listen to the podcast, MMY Talks on Spotify, Google Podcast, iTunes, and CastBox. Follow us on these applications for more subjects.